Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today we have a big show. We have IDEX, Komodo, Token Loan, XPTC, and Loopring all on the show talking about the history, the evolution, and the future of the DEX. I want to get straight into that because it's a longer episode than we usually have, so I don't want to beat around the bush this morning. But I have to address the two elephants in the room this morning, and that's charges against the BitMEX exchange with money laundering violations. The CFTC, or the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, has filed money laundering related charges against BitMEX. Also, separately, the U.S. Attorney in New York filed related criminal charges against the owners Arthur Hayes, Bendello, and Samuel Reed. Traders on BitMEX withdrew $243 million of Bitcoin within one hour of the news. This is one of those stories that are going to be constantly evolving. So by the time you hear this, it's probably already changed. So I suggest you please keep an eye on Decrypt News, Decrypt.co. See the updates as they come out. And that's only one elephant. And the other elephant is Trump gets COVID. (laughs) You cannot make this up. Trump has COVID-19. He has the coronavirus. He is quarantined for 14 days in the White House somewhere, and the global markets start to slump as Trump catches COVID. I think the only thing we can do right now is check the crypto prices to see what effect these elephants had on their prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Now I'm recording this at noon Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $10,440. It's up 0.3% from yesterday, while Ethereum is down 1% at $345. Litecoin down 2% at $45. Chainlink at $9.22, down 3.5% from yesterday. And XRP, 23.3 cents, down 1.2% from yesterday. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $336.2 billion, with the BTC dominance highest I've seen in, in about a week and a half at 58%. I remember about four to five years ago, I started messing around with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and the DEX was just like this new kind of thing. Decentralized exchanges, everybody wanted them because of hacks, because of security, because of, well, there's many reasons. And they've come a long way. They've come so far that their liquidity and their daily volumes is on par with the biggest centralized exchanges. But how'd they get there? What's powering them? And where do we think they're gonna go in the future? Well, that's what this conversation is about today. I have broken this down into two parts, the history, the evolution, and the functionality, and the evolution and the future of the DEX. Enjoy this conversation. It's a bit long, so make sure you have a snack and a drink, and we'll see you after the show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, Before we get started, we're talking about the history of the DEX. I would like to start with a brief introduction. Uh, Hi everyone, my name is Alex Warren. I'm the co-founder and CEO of IDEX. IDEX is a high-performance decentralized exchange. We're working to pair the user experience of a centralized exchange with the smart contract-based custody and settlement of a DEX. The goal being that users no longer have to choose between performance or security. Kaden, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Matthew? Also known as CA, right? I'm heading out to tech on the Komodo platform side. We're like a blockchain technology provider and been around like for more than half a decade. 
with a specific focus on decentralized exchange technologies. So while I guess like most DEXs provide like uh, on-chain DEX technologies, we're like focusing on a more wider like blockchain interoperability technology for like different blockchain protocols as 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 well as like different asset technologies. This portion of the show is dedicated to the history, the OGs of the DEX. Can you tell me where did the DEX start and how did you guys get inspired to start creating the DEX? What did the centralized exchanges do that made you go, that's just not going to work. We need a new new way. Well, I'd say like a core vision and ideology was to provide like ultimate financial freedom to the end users, right? To give them like true control over their financial, um, you know, assets and, and holdings. Um, with centralized exchanges, we all know, right? You basically put your funds into their custody and they have like full control over your funds. That means technically they own these funds for the time being and you only have a promise, right? So you trust them. And trust, that's like the key element, the word that we do not like in decentralized technologies, right? I mean, we do trust that the developer is going to do a great job and still there, we like rely on secure code resources because we do not like trust as a core element. And I'd say while in, in, in banking, in traditional banking and finance, right, the entire mathematic is based on trust in our technology space, as other people and wise men said, right, the entire trust is based on math, right? So it's quite the other way around. And with tax technology, I, I think this like started like way early on before we actually saw the first like atomic swaps, right? Atomic swap technology, that's like basically the core technology requirement for a decentralized exchange. And no matter which decentralized exchange we are looking on, needs some sort of an atomic swap technology or protocol to provide basically this trustless exchange functionality. I've seen like Tier Nolan being, I guess, most likely the person to describe such an atomic swap protocol. And this was back in 2012, 2013, if I'm not mistaken, right? That was like around the time we at Commodore me like actively started like developing decentralized exchange technology um, later on in around 2014. We've then really like managed to issue the first uh, publicly protocoled peer-to-peer -peer atomic swaps where we basically have like two parties, right? Uh, trade uh, cryptocurrencies different like from different blockchain protocols against each other without relying on any central authority or without like having to put trust into something and that was actually like before we've seen like key hacks right where we've seen like hundreds millions of of dollars just like being drained out of exchange wallets i mean we've seen like the mount gox mass we've seen like many others like following that. I think the core idea when you ask me and the ideology, right? It didn't really evolve. It's the same idea and vision that we have since 2012 to 2013 in this specific DEX area. And that's like giving financial freedom. Yeah, just to build on that. So I think Caden and Komodo have definitely been around longer than almost any other DEX related project in the space. From uh, my team's perspective, we were early into Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. We actually had some funds on Mint Gox which was probably the most widely known and uh, widely publicized early hack of a centralized cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, you know, everyone kind of looked at that and, and acknowledged that this is really at odds with the ethos of cryptocurrency. Um, these self-sovereign digital assets that allow anyone to be your own bank and your first experience is to deposit those funds or send money to a third party in order to, to make a purchase or make a transaction. With the launch of Ethereum, I think it really kind of leveled up the ability 
for decentralized exchanges. What Caden was referring to with cross-chain atomic swaps, I think there's still a lot of research and development that needs to be done in that area because ultimately the UX um, for those types of transactions are very difficult and cumbersome. And, and there's a lot of uh, kind of quirks that make it not very suitable for a mainstream market. Um, I think the recent success that you've seen with DEXs has been largely on Ethereum and using smart contract based custody. You know, in, in terms of the evolution, I think one of the unifying features of all DEXs is that they are non-custodial, meaning you never have to turn over your funds to a third party. Um, however, there's a lot of design a lot of design choices outside of that that kind of impact how users, how buyers and sellers actually find one another to make those transactions. In different designs could be things like on-chain order books, decentralized order books, centralized order books, uh, AMMs with no order books. And, and maybe that's an interesting area to get into when we talk about kind of how these things have evolved over time. Kaden, it looks like you were going to say something. Yeah, yeah. This one's definitely great, Alex. And yeah, I like the look on things like from from your perspective i mean from like an evolutionary perspective now regarding just the tech side right i i think what we all share i mean now for ethereum exchanges or ethereum dexes like i see it there's probably most of them probably have like sort of an on-chain system right i mean i'm not fully into the tech space on ethereum but i do know that there's like no since there's no real requirement for basically cross-protocol interaction um i do assume that pretty much most of the the actual like DEX operations, right? The DEX, uh, the DEX procedure and logic, business logic itself is probably executed on a smart contract or like sort of kind of a smart contract based, uh, built on a smart contract based foundation. Whilst like on our end, uh, we've like started building sort of a dedicated, right? Sort of a separate like decentralized network, which builds like the core underlying layer for like uh, our DEX technology, right? So you'd actually really use like peer-to-peer technologies. You have like every user would basically run a decentralized standalone peer-to-peer node, right? The local one. I mean, we've we've moved. I mean, in the beginning, yes, this was like a, a binary. You could imagine it as like a standalone uh, node running on your local computer. But now this is like a mobile compatible. It is something that's like browser compatible. It means you could like run your decentralized trustless node, which is a non-custodial wallet and a DEX gateway within your browser in on an IoT device on your smartphone, right? If you check, for example, Atomic DEX on the Play Stores, you'll be able like to download a non-custodial wallet with the full DEX capabilities. Um, it is, for example, compatible with, with Ethereum, with ERC. This also means that technically this interoperability layer could be utilized by other DEXs, such as like an Ethereum-based DEX, to bridge over to other protocols, right? To basically provide like exchange capabilities, non-custodial and trustless exchange capabilities with third generation blockchain protocols. Just like, for example, um, calling out like Cosmos, Tezos, right? Just to name a few of, of these technologies. And I believe that this is like very important, basically having sort of an interop layer, which we're really like targeting because we're not looking at the space or at other DEXs as a competition. We try to find like a way to interconnect the entire space. And we believe like the day we basically build one unified like a decentralized liquidity pool where all the DEXs you know share one 
liquidity pool. This would like turn things like super, super efficient, right? Yeah, I think um, Kaden makes an interesting kind of point and, and maybe an important point of clarification. The way we at IDEX think about uh, kind of exchanges in general is there's really two parts to the exchange. There's the custody of funds. So who's actually controlling the cryptocurrency? And then there's the exchange piece, which is uh, how buyers and sellers actually actually find one another. And, and what Caden just described in their architecture is kind of a decentralized network that is running and operating the exchange components, uh, helping buyers and sellers find one another. In, in the early days of Ethereum, those exchange components, the, the essentially the order book and the matching process, were run entirely on chain. The early exchanges quickly realized that that was too slow and too expensive of a process to really get user adoption. You know, if you think about the historical critiques of DEXs compared to centralized exchanges, is that they were clunky, they were expensive, they weren't fast enough. All of that is referring to the exchange parts, the the order book, the way that users buy and, and sell and actually find one another. Um, so a lot of the experimentation has been around how can we remove those UX issues while at the same time keeping that core benefit of being non-custodial. A great example of this is, is AMMs, which actually uh, kind of flipped it on its head and got rid of the order book altogether and said, let's not use an, a blockchain network to have an order book and let's have a different model for users to match with one another. We, we actually have a little bit of a different view at IDEX and I'm curious maybe how Caden how thinks about it. We actually feel that the exchange piece, the order book and matching is not really suited for a decentralized system. The exchange really needs to be low latency and high performance in order to, to have fair and orderly markets. So we've come up with uh, what we consider a hybrid design that I mentioned at the top of the call where we, we pair a essentially a centralized exchange architecture of an off-chain matching engine uh, with decentralized custody and settlement via smart contracts. So users are always in control of their funds throughout the entire process, but the exchange has the amount of control necessary to actually match buyers and sellers uh, based on trades that they authorize with their private key. Yeah, that's a great point, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned it. That there were things that we basically like, uh, yeah, noticed, and we've seen it also from the user response regarding the specific U, specifically the UX um, perspective. And we figured, yes, I mean, in in a totally traditional DEX system, you'd rely fully rely like on blockchain confirmations, right? And I mean, we're not only now looking at the Ethereum side of things or just on specific like blockchain protocols. I mean, we we do have swaps within the atomic DEX that take like a second, right, for 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 the actual negotiation and and the actual execution. But they're like protocols such as Bitcoin, and if you wanted to run this 100% like trustless without the risk for someone rolling back this transaction, you rely at the end of the day you rely on blockchain on blockchain confirmations. So. We're also sort of like thinking, or actually we've like implemented, you know, measures such as something we call like a zero conf, something where you could trade with trusted parties, people that you know whitelisted through public key authentication system, trade with them like just in, in a trade scheme that we'd call like an insta swap, an instant exchange, right? Just to increase the, the user experience. From one perspective, we always have to make the user aware that there, there are elements like similar to a centralized exchange. So for example, all these trades and swaps that took place with, with this zero conf technologies 
will require an actual blockchain confirmation to take place before you could like truly spend the coin. So other uh, blockchain and DEX participants would always see this is like an, an, a, a transaction or a trade that's based on unconfirmed outputs, right? This really relates specifically to the, the UTXO space because we still know like, I mean, the biggest cap, right? The biggest funds and, and, and vaults go through, through Bitcoin. The big question to me is like, how can we like sustain 100% like safety, security? I think that's something that's not being 100% like paid attention to right now. It's something that most projects don't invest enough efforts and time into. And I think that's something that's going to be like a way bigger topic than, you know, the the overlaying like utilizations and uh, specific implementations for DEX technologies. What's your view on this? I mean, you've, you've heard like both perspective or form. I mean, we've talked about the hybrid exchange like a year ago, and we believe this is like the way forward that we look at the space as a coexisting space between decentralized and centralized exchange. But with the hybrid setup, I believe we'll see like DEX, DEXs mirror um, you know, the volumes and order books from centralized exchanges sort of, you know, dissolving or deleting the border between them where we'll eventually see a shift towards a decentralized, uh, you know, perspective. I think that you have a great idea of what what DEXs could be. The hybrid model, I think, is a, is a, is a great model as well. Um, but I don't think that it really matters until, you know, you have that user interface and the user, user experience of the average person. The thing is, like when it comes to say, you know, your hardware wallet is too complex. When you plug it into a DEX right now, too complex. What I do like about you know technology right now is something like, for example, Apple Pay. You it unlocks with your face. You click a button, and you're gonna pay for online for certain things. Once, if you want crypto or a DEX or whatever to be mainstream and allow people to interact with a with a blockchain or multiple blockchains. First of all, who cares what the back end does just as long as it freaking works? I don't care. Um, but I want it to be seamlessly with my in my day-to-day life. I don't want to have other stuff. I don't want to have a hardware wallet. I don't want to have to go to a some something on my browser. I don't care. I want to be able to pick up my phone, unlock it with my face, and do my business. And if it's on-chain or off-chain or whatever, I want it to work. And so if anybody can make that technology and make it easily and fit into my life, uh, of, of what I do day to day, I don't have time to learn new tech. I don't have time to care about what's happening in the back end or a hybrid model. I want it to work and I want it to be secure. So, it, so how it, as a I'm a consumer, I'm not a tech guy. I don't have a Dex. I don't have a, have a company. I have a podcast. So, how do I want it to work? I want it to be able to get to a point where I don't care how it works, but it works with the things that I use in my day-to-day life. And that's usually going to be my smartphone. So if my hardware wallet is my face, unlocking my smartphone, interacting with something that I'm buying something online or investing or tapping into my Robinhood app or, or, or you know, using Robinhood as an example of a way to invest that is seamless and it works with my bank, it works with my finances, my money, my face, my apps, my phone, everything, then you have a good product. Until then, I think that the masses don't even give a shit. Well said. Great conclusion. I I love this. Yeah, I think just to respond directly to that, I think what you're you're pointing at is that DEXs in many ways will be uh, an infrastructure component and, and, and for many users, they won't be facing directly with the exchange. So, uh, it sounds like what you would love is a custodian on top of 
a DEX who is integrated with the decentralized exchange because you just want it to work. You want it to be safe and secure. You don't want to deal with private keys. Uh, you probably just want the world's safest custodian who lets you log into their system by using your biometric authentication. We absolutely expect that many and, and maybe the majority of people will prefer to interact with crypto that way. The beauty of decentralized exchange architecture is that you have that choice of custody solution. That third-party custodian can integrate into the exchange and trade directly against a user who does want to manage their funds via a hardware wallet or a large trading firm who has internal systems that manage their own cryptocurrency flows that, you know, kind of rules and, and conditions under which they can transfer funds and, and make trades. So th that's really the where we see the space going is that in order to trade on a centralized exchange, there is no choice. You have to trust their custody solution. And just last week, we were reminded of the pitfalls of that with the recent KuCoin hack. Right. So yep. As, as, yep. as long as that exists, it's going to be a target for hackers and thieves. And you're going to have users who want to opt into a different option. Thanks, Caden. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks, Matthew. Gentlemen, I want to welcome you to the Decrypt Daily for talking about the evolution and the future of the DAX. But before we get into that discussion, Please, can we go around the table and you introduce yourself? Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Lucas, uh, and I'm the head of growth at TokenLong. Uh, very happy to be here today. Uh, so a little bit about TokenLong. TokenLong is a decentralized exchange using a request for quotation model, uh, off-chain matching, and on-chain settlement. Hey, guys. How are you? Um, this is Jay, CEO and co-founder at the Loopring Protocol. Um, so Loopring is the uh, zk exchange and payment protocol. Um, it allows anyone to build up a high-throughput, non-custodian, order book-based decentralized exchange on Ethereum, leveraging the uh, zero-knowledge proofs. Hey, thanks for having us here, Matt. My name is Mark. I'm the CEO at uh, XBTC, which is a new ERC-20 token that's doing some interesting things in the DEX space. Okay, so the reason why everybody's here is to talk about the evolution of the future of the DEX. And the DEX is becoming a very pivotal point of the crypto space. The volumes, the liquidity that are going through DEXs are is now rivaling the centralized exchanges. It, it, it's unprecedented. What do you guys think that the DEX is providing that centralized exchanges are not and that's making it more enticing for people to use them? With our launch on MooneySwap, uh, XBTC uh, really uh, brought a new product, a brand new ERC-20 to, uh, to the market in under two months. And that's really you know hard to do in the traditional um, avenues um, to bring something to market so quick and to be on a, an exchange with that much volume and that much liquidity um, would have taken you know multiple months and uh, a lot more uh, red tape, uh, a lot more uh, legal and financial support. Um, and so with that, on our first day, um, there was over $100,000 in, in profit paid to liquidity providers. Um, and those liquidity providers uh, were us and other people. So the project and other individuals benefit from these decentralized exchanges and get the profit off of trades that usually centralized exchanges would get. So it's really leveling the benefits of centralized exchanges and giving it to everyone and also leveling the playing field for smaller players like us. Decentralized exchange can provide permissionless user experience uh, for uh, non-custodial customers. I always tell people that decentralized exchange is secure. 
But to be honest, after like two years experience, uh, because we start back in 2017, I just realized actually most of the user, they don't really care about the securities. Security is important, but it's not the most important things for the traders. People are always looking for a mo- most liquid platform, the most liquid marketplaces. Banco, they bought up the uh, automated market makings that centralized exchange don't have. Uh, I think this is brilliant. This is awesome uh, invention, uh, inventions. Now I think like liquidity is most most important things. Automated market making that provide the exceptional experience um, compared to the central exchanges that have brought up the volumes liquidity to a decentralized exchange. That's the most important things. And followed by permissionless non-custodian uh, features for decentralized exchange. Lucas, I, I want you to follow up on that if you could, man. He, Jay said that People don't care about security. He said that they want liquidity more. And I'm going to have to say that we just saw a hack yesterday from Yearn.Finance. It seems as though that we, if we don't prioritize security, we are going to lose a lot of our funds and lose the reputation and lose the confidence of customers. And the customers are the traders. Do you agree with what Jay said there that... People don't care about security as much as liquidity. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I didn't mean that people don't care about security. I just want to say um, people put the uh, liquidity about on the top of um, security, just different priorities. Not, not they don't care at all. I kind of agree with Jay, uh, but uh, I would say that's for the uh, some kind of users. I would say uh, 80% of the users in the space, different users have different risk preference. For these 80% of users, they, they probably value profit opportunities more than the securities. For them, probably as long as they, they have assets on the big centralized exchange, for example, Coinbase and Binance, they feel that is fine. And we also noticed that uh, many of people who come to Token Loan to do the trade here uh, it's mostly because uh, they feel it is easy to do the trades uh, in the wallet directly it is easy for them when they see a profit opportunity they can go to trade it directly in the wallet i would say for this kind of people uh, security is not really uh, their first priority i understand that there's different priorities I do understand that liquidity is important um i think that we are going to see the evolution of the decks uh to you know want that liquidity Yet at the same time, we need to figure out how to audit and trust the DEX as well, because there's going to be more and more in newer DEXs, and it seems like to be becoming a flooded market. Mark, you're doing something interesting uh, with uh, XBTC and, and Mooniswap. Uh, you're doing an IMO. How can we trust these new kind of offerings, an uh, uh, initial Mooniswap offering on, on, on the DEX that you're on one inch? How, do we ca- how can we trust these if like they're popping up all over the place and we're just trying to get quick liquidity and quick projects in there? And then when security breaches do happen, we have big problems. Yeah, that's kind of the issue in this uh, space. As you get more decentralized, um, there's less of a central actor to you know play the sheriff. What we've seen a lot on, especially Uniswap, is a, a lot of what is called a rug pull, where someone will put on liquidity and put on a fake token, and there's no way to tell that it's fake, and so people buy it. Um, and they can actually program into a smart contract that you can't sell it back. <laughs> and so people are buying this token and can't sell it, um, and then they just leave. Uh, the creator just shuts down shop and 
you know, no one knows who they were. It's all anonymous. Um, and you can also put on liquidity. People can sell the token. So they think it's real. Um, but then you pull all of that liquidity um, and the project never had a real backing. Uh, you know, this is from people not doing their research and looking into them. And then if you do do your research, people will make a fake website and make a fake PDF of their plan and, uh, you know, fake uh, roadmap. Uh, and then they rug pull again. And so there's all these ways that people are scamming other people and it becomes a lot easier on uh, decentralized exchanges. Uh, which one of you guys would like to talk about how you guys do your vetting process for allowing different projects on your exchanges? Jay, you unmuted your microphone. Go for it. Like our token from day one, we gave up all the uh, like super uh, power, um, super keys or whatever you want to call, purely decentralized. Uh, we just have uh, different auditors. Um, I think we hire like four different auditors to audit our smart contract to make it secure. But to be honest, from uh, technically... I think there will always be bugs, uh, but just technically, uh, we're not that uh, good enough to find out those bugs. But uh, uh, we will try to protect or try to make it more decentralized because we, we want to be uh, fully decentralized. That's our team's uh, perspective. And the reason I'm asking Mark was because the KuCoin just got hacked and uh, mm -hmm. like most of the token has been hacked and then people try to you know uh, sell them on Uniswap and all the other decentralized exchange. They didn't even use the Tanada Cash or any other mixes to change the address. But then, like, or most of, I think, like, three-thirds of the projects, they have those superpowers, so they have the control power to change the private keys or even to uh, to, to change the smart contract. Yes, so that's, that's a question that we should ask ourselves. As a trader, would you trust those tokens still have the superpower that they can mint or they can they can even revert or any they can manipulate your, your, your tokens in your decentralized wallet. So that's yeah, interesting. That's, Lu that's, Lucas, do you wanna you wanna answer that? Yeah sure. So uh, for us um, it's similar to uh Lupin, we'll first uh, make sure our uh, contracts are fully audited. And for decentralized exchange I think the risk is also different from probably some other DeFi protocols, for example lending where users put funds put funds in the smart contract and the fund will stay there. The risk exposure is a lot uh, longer but for decentralized exchange uh, it's an atomic swap so the risk is really um, a lot less and i think um, one of the uh, more centralized thing we do at tokenon probably is the uh, token listing uh, giving our um, request for quotation model for all the tokens our market makers support it's not like a permissionless uh, listing process so we'll actually work with market makers to make sure the token is not a scam token uh, to make sure this is the token that uh, users want to trade and then uh, listed it on token loan. Yeah, just want to jump in. Uh, yeah, cause like Loopring is also. Uh, if you want to describe our exchange uh, more precisely, I wouldn't say it's decentralized. Because I would say it's more like non-custodian because all the users they have the asset on the layer two network, or in the other way you can say uh, it's on the smart smart contract. But then there's a ray layer. The ray layer has has the power to manage all the token listings. And, and the other uh, some sort of key features. Uh, so it's yes, uh, similar to token on. We are not fully decentralized like a Uniswap. You can even add your uh, own token. You can give up the uh, listing process. I don't know. Like to be honest, I really um, I really like a Uniswap myself. Uh, I use it a lot purely decentralized. But from my own team's perspective, we're still holding these you know uh, decisions to have some sort of control powers. Imagine everything is secure. Imagine we have no more. No more problems with security and everything. How do you guys think that DEXs 
are going to be used in the future. Let's talk about 10 years down the road. Do you think that centralized exchanges are going to go away, that everything will go to the DEX? Do you think the DEX is going to be an integral part of our daily life, like a wallet, like our Apple Pay or our Google Pay? How do you think the DEX is going to evolve and what do you want to see it do in the future? I'll leave this open to anyone. Uh, if we look at 10 years down the road, I think DEX will, uh, will play a much more important role um, empowering uh, more real-world uh, use cases. Uh, it would be really nice to become a uh, liquidity network of the uh, many payment network. So for example, uh, you can uh, if you travel to a country, uh, you can pay. Uh, you you can just use your decentralized wallet and in paying the merchants with uh, any token you want. And the DEX in the backend will exchange that token to the token that a merchant will accept. So it works similar to some of the international payment network today, but with blockchain, the uh, the cost will be a lot less. Yeah, and I think uh, looking at the landscape, I think they definitely will. Um become much larger and have more force. But I think it's kind of like uh, looking at traditional finance, almost the credit union versus the the big banks, you know, the, the credit Good union point. gives more to the users and more to the community. Uh, and then the big bank, uh, you know, is more of that amalgamous thing that's taking all the profit for itself. Um, and so, you know, the Coinbase's and the crypto.coms of the world will exist, but decentralized exchanges are, are quickly taking all the features that these centralized exchanges have and making them better and more decentralized and given to the people. Um, and, you know, you're going to have all the innovators and the people who are making new things, you know, XBTC couldn't jump onto Coinbase, you know, and we're making a brand new idea, a brand new thing. Um, and the only place we could exist is, is on a DEX because of how on the edge of innovation and creating something new we are. Um, and so uh, it will always be a, a space that uh, is open to the community and to the people, um, but they aren't going to completely destroy those centralized exchanges. It's because, you know, uh, the people who are inside those legal and financial structures uh, will always maintain some power. Um, so that's how I look at it. Jay, I want you to answer this question, but I also want you to do me a favor and expand a little bit on that question. One thing I know about centralized exchanges is they're turning into banks as well. Wyoming in the United States is just a given, let's see here, who'd they give? I'm sorry, was it Gemini? The power to act as like, act like a bank. And we're, we're going to start seeing people use Gemini or Coinbase or Binance as another medium of banking, like in, and that's gonna be crypto and banking using your your Gemini wallet or your Coinbase wallet, just like Chase or your JP Morgan uh, wallet. Can you expand on that as, as well? Is talk talk about the the future of the Dex and how it might be with uh, centralized banking as well? I do agree both. Um, like um, it would be like sort of long tail effect. Um, most like majority of the qualified or legit users, they will start to use centralized exchange, especially like institutional uh, investors or uh, credit investors. Um, they will go for uh, centralized because there's more protections. Still, they have the risk of 20% of people. They, can, they can't pr pr um, pass the KYCs and uh, they have some sort of ident identification issues. So they will go for decentralized exchange. All in all, like decentralized exchange or like most of the DeFi or blockchain project is going to provide more open financial product systems and to make those financial instruments more accessible to all the people around the world. Do yeah. you think that a DEX will ever be like Chase or JP Morgan or HSBC? Good questions. Um, I do think so. It will be in the future. It won't be in a short term, but I, I do see 
I do see the potentials in a long run, maybe uh, like five to 10 years. And then my next question with this is, do you think DEXs or centralized exchanges are better positioned to be the next HSBC or JP Morgan? Definitely decentralized exchange. If you want to compete with someone that you have to provide some, something that they don't have, like centralized exchange, they are good because they have the regulations to protect them. As I say, regulators, they are on the those traditional financial, financial uh, institutions side. So they will be more like, like those banking side. They won't promote centralized exchange. But decentralized change, it can go wild. Gents, I want to say thank you very much for, for coming on and talking about the future of decentralized exchanges. And I will hopefully talk to you all again soon. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. By the way, I have a bonus episode for you tomorrow on Saturday. Yes, my first Saturday show. I was interviewed by Yap Global the other day. And Well, they sent me the audio and I said, you know what? Might as well put it out for everybody. So I'll see you tomorrow in the Decrypt Daily with me getting interviewed by Yap Global. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling.